Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with the incredible Tosca Reno. Tosca is a certified nutritional therapy practitioner, a New York Times, Amazon, and international best-selling author, fitness expert, and motivational speaker. The originator of the Eat Clean Revolution for the past two decades, she has helped millions of followers lose weight, become healthy, and live their best lives with the Eat Clean Diet. Tosca's mission is to inform and inspire women to nourish their minds, body, and soul using the principles of the eat clean lifestyle. This episode is very special to me because Tosca and I connected in real life about five years ago, I'm going to say, and I just, I adore her. I adore her. I love what she stands for. I love how she shares. And in this episode, she shares a lot of her story that maybe you didn't know before and what those lessons have taught her. She talks about the mental health pandemic that we are dealing with right now and what we can do to help ourselves by movement and eating and really diving into what strikes sugar, her program, her one of her signature programs is, and why it's so important to be aware of what sugar is doing to our body. I loved everything about this about this episode, and I am so grateful to have her as a guest on this show. I know you're going to love it. Welcome to the show today, Tosca. I'm so thrilled to have you here. It's wonderful to be back with you, Marsha. It's been a few years. <laughs> it has been a few years. We have a backstory that might come out in this episode, but yes, we definitely, we, we do. definitely do. We do. I know. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Where are you from? Well, originally from the province of Quebec, but now I'm in the greater Toronto area. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I know that you are a reader. What I would love to know is, do you have a book that has been impactful for you? Um, my gosh, the list is as long as my arm. Um, yeah, I, I go back and reread um, Spark by Dr. John Ratty multiple times. I've mm-hmm. read uh, Healing with Whole Foods by Paul Pitchford. Um, I read voraciously. Um, I'm certainly interested in um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, simply because mm-hmm. business, business peeps, you know, you got to, yeah, I, I started, I started in fitness and nutrition, but still I'm running a business. So I have to know how to do this. I'm mm-hmm. currently very much interested in books like Eat the Frog by BJ Fogg and Tiny Habits. Um, I may have the author wrong, but anyway, those two books, you won't forget those titles. And I recently read a biography about Michelangelo. So, oh wow, I don't know. that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Do you have a quote or a mantra or something that really grounds you or describes what's important to you? It's the quote by Goethe. If you can um, imagine it and dream it, you can be it. Now, I may not have that exactly right, but I've sort of transposed that into my head as a, a very powerful quote. And I and I believe that that very it, it, it cements the idea that we can change our perspective of ourselves from being woman from the past, woman from the present, we can actually be that greater woman who's calling us forward, our future self. Mm, I love that. And I, I think what the beautiful thing with the quotes and mantras is that we all find something that speaks to us and then it might tweak it a little bit, but it just is something that anchors us when we're in those moments. Yeah. What is something that lights you up and drives you? Hmm. Oh, serving my audience. Um, when I, when I receive uh, feedback from my audience, uh, that, that something has worked, that something I've said or something that I've done or a program that I've offered them, or even just an email, because I'm very good about communicating directly with my audience. Uh, when I receive feedback about how that may have changed their lives in a positive way, I, so I sometimes get very emotional about these things. You know, it, it, it reminds me that the work is not for nothing. It's not for nothing. No. And I've watched you firsthand. You definitely do serve when you speak and share. So this has been part of your life. Like really, this has been your life mission and what you do. Has it always, like, where did it start? Were you like that for as long as you can remember back or where did no. it start? No, no. I had an awakening. Okay. I had an awakening um, and the awakening happened when I changed myself from a 204 pound obese woman mm -hmm. to competing in the physique industry, learning how to train my body, learning how to eat differently, eat clean. And when I found that I, I discovered my purpose and my voice and very much stepped into the arena of service for others because Women all over the world are suffering with weight concerns, uh, lack of purpose in life. And that really struck me. It, 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 it hurts my heart. And I know if I can change something for another person so they don't have to suffer, I'm all in. I mean, that's, every day I get up and I say the same thing. Lord, tell me how I can serve to the highest and best today. Mm, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. When you went through that transformation, Tell us what, and we know, we know, you and I know, and I just want to share that is it's so much more than losing weight. Like it's oh. not, a, it, I mean, it's not like the, the number and the scale is a byproduct of the transformation you have to go through the scale. The scale is not the be all end all. Right. So no. I just not even no. close. No. So tell us what that transformation no. is like. Interesting because I feel like we came from uh, me being I'm 61 now. Um, when I was beginning my whole transformation journey, I feel like I came from an era that was very much about the scale and sizes and calories and counting and counting and counting. But you know, Marcia, you and I know that that this is not why people get uh, in excess weight in situations and unwell and so on. We know that there's a spiritual, emotional journey that has put us in dis-ease. And so for me, that transformational journey started very much by being absolutely at my broken, 
broken, broken self. There was just, uh, there wasn't much left, let's just say. And then I met the teacher because I was ready to make my transformation. And I Mm -hmm. learned that it is not about numbers. It's about mindset. And it's about understanding this body, my body, because what works for me doesn't work for others. Um, I can give you generalizations, but uh, but I did learn some principles that are basically science-based principles that govern, you know, how we eat, how we change our body. So that began to shape the way I thought about myself in a different way. And it shaped how I served because it wasn't about counting calories. It was really understanding the impact of food, nutrition, uh, even modern foods, the damaging effect of those, and how that makes you, you, and it, how it makes you either overweight, happy, sad, wherever you stand in that point. And then the transformation just kept going from there because once you know something, you can't unknow it. And so knowing how good I felt by eating clean foods and by exercising and just all those uh, those those neurochemicals in my brain that put me in flow state. Well, there was no stopping that train. Mm-hmm. And then it just went. I I love that you shared that. And I think back to um, I'm in my young fifties, and I remember at exactly what you're saying. Everything was counting. Everything was counting. And I grew up in mm-hmm. um, a time and a house where loved my family but it was very much of you have baby fat. You should not have baby fat, start taking Dexa trim, start counting cat. Like it was such, that's what I grew up with. So I turned to fitness at, you know, 14, 15 years old, really turned to fitness, which I think shaped me in a lot of ways. Um, I didn't subscribe to, you know, watching the magazines and looking at the sizes. It just didn't speak to me, but I do remember getting some of your early books and it was like, I love how you just spoke to me in a very real way. So it was very neat when we actually crossed paths many years later, um, how it went. I love it. I love it. But I, I love what you're saying because I can so relate and I understand that it doesn't take long when you hear those messages over and over that your worth is tied to the calories that you're eating, to the weight on your scale. And it's, it's hard to break those patterns. And I, I mean, I watched females in my family struggle forever and I don't even own a scale because I know it's a a slope for me that it just doesn't matter. I don't want it to even be in my mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to share that. And I think that there's something I want to add to that with the time that we're in right now, there Mm -hmm. is so much, I feel body shaming that's happening with you've gained the COVID 20 you've gave it gained that like, there's just this shaming that adds to this time when people I think are already overstressed, overstimulated and not sure what to do. I just wanted to throw that out there and see what you wanted to add to that. Well, we're having a, a, you know, a few pandemics happening here. We're having the pandemic of the virus, but we're also having a mental health pandemic Mm -hmm. spurred on by that, but also because our states of resilience were so low. And then we're just having this pandemic of of negativity, which um, it it puts people into a spiral situation, which feels very much like they can't get out of it. Uh, But again, you can change these things. I know because I've been through a lot of negative events in my life. So um, yeah, we can change these things. 
I think you're the first person I've heard call it a pandemic of negativity. And I just think that nailed it right on the head. I really do. That is such a, it's such a very clear thing to say and outline this time. And I find right now boundaries are even more key because I find if I am around people that are very negative, it's like, I I just can't right now. There's just no room for that because it's a slippery slope and I don't want to go there. So boundaries are super, super tight for that you've learned how to work through negative mindset, negative times, negative thought patterns, all of those things. So outside of the transformation of weight, talk to us about the transformation of mindset and negative mindset, how to work through that, what you've learned through your own experience. Well, um, wow, that is, I know it's a big question. (laughs) That is one hell of a loaded question. Um, so in the beginning, the the transformation process was very exciting to me because it was hopeful. I saw what I could become, and that called me forward in a way that I hadn't even thought possible for myself. Having been a one-time 204-pound overweight, purposeless housewife, really, I had, you know, by the age of 38, I was really not going very far, very fast. Mm-hmm. So the transformate the transformative part for me was was uh, very compelling. And I became a student and soaked up all of this new, the novel, and uh, felt the power as I began to shape my body in a new way and at the same time shape my mind. So I overcame a lot of things because that journey itself was propelled by the need for myself to be uh, stronger because I left an abusive relationship that I'd had with my first husband for 17 years. He fathered my daughter's beautiful children. I'm so blessed for that, Mm -hmm. but there's no way that I needed to pay the price. And so Mm -hmm. I decided that I would advocate for myself. And so that whole chapter of my life that brought me through transformation of physique, transformation of eating, transformation of thinking, uh, brought me also to a high peak. I had a, a, an amazing ride, New York Times bestselling author, wrote 17 books, uh, books written in multiple languages around the world, a television show, uh, you know, on and on and on. But that also brought me to a point of crisis. And uh, in 2012, a number of events happened that brought me to my knees. And this is the part where I learned how to eat clean and learn how to exercise, but there was a component that was missing that I was not equipped to, to handle and I needed another teacher. And this was emotional self-care. So now this is a piece of the work that I do where, um, and by definition, according to the World Health Organization, wellness is not simply the absence of disease or eating clean or exercising. It's also governing your emotional self-care and whatever that is. So nobody went to school and got emotional self-care 101. You got life handed to you and you either figured it out or you didn't. And your coping mechanisms could be alcohol, drugs, overeating, a combination of those things, a lack of self-care, et cetera. And that brought you to a place where it brought me. Um, but by 2014, with the, the loss of my, my, my child, my husband, my business, my income, betrayal, shock, abandonment, all of it. I was catatonic and clearly that lesson was put on my plate for me to become aware of if I so chose this other aspect of wellness. And uh, in so doing, because I was hungry to change that place where I was, I 
in comes my meditation teacher, in comes my group of sisters who um, light workers, in comes my daughter who introduces me to concepts of self-care. And then I begin to make myself a student of this. And let me say that this emotional self-care, this reflection of who you are and what brought you to these places, the self that you were that created some of these events in your life, those are some of the heaviest sets and reps I've ever done. I would rather I would rather do squats with a barbell across my back than some of the stuff that I had to face because there are dark shadows in all of us. And those dark shadows for me were, were it took courage, you know, to look at those and to excavate them and to, to make different choices for myself. And it's a very unclear path. You know, it's not like getting on the 401, getting in the fast lane and going from Guelph to Kingston, you know, that's clear. The path of emotional self-care, that is a tricky one uh, because each of us is so different. But I learned some powerful tools. And one of these is something called the trauma transformer tool, which I can't take credit for. Um, I'm, I'm working with Dr. Benjamin Hardy and in his course, I learned about this. And uh, in the trauma transformer tool, you take your list of traumas and you list them all in a column. And then in the column beside it, you list the negative effects of those traumas, how you felt, what happened to you. And then in the column next to it, you write the possible positive benefits. You may scratch your head over that for a while. It takes the time to do this. And then the final column is, well, how can you reframe that narrative? How can you tell a different story about those negatives so that you are not a victim of your past? Uh, and that was a beautiful exercise for me. And the next piece of it was to to take it and read it and read all of that, ugh, uh, you know, angst and emotion and pain and trauma and read it to someone who is a neutral witness, an empathic witness. And that was quite transformative for me because I learned that I could actually reshape my story. And we all can. We don't have to be a victim of the past. In fact, if we stay victims of the past, we have no future. And I am envisioning a future self. I envision a woman who is me five, 10 years from now, who's who's radiant, who's confident, who's better than she ever was, whose best work is being done 10 years from now, five years from now, not the work that I have done in the past. It's a new me. Mm. Oh, you've just blown me away. Like absolutely blown away. First off, I'm so proud of you for the way you just like how you put that together and how you explain that. I think that story alone gives people some hope. I really do. Second, um, I could not agree with you more. I would rather put more weight on the barbell and physically do reps than to take on half of the emotional stuff that I've had to deal with. But as you know, there are so many things that you just can't read in a book. You can't really understand no. how to grow, what to do, no. how you handle things by reading it in a book. It's just, you have to live it. And if you live it, then you can't unlearn it. And that's just how that goes. So I'm so grateful and thankful that you shared what you did there. I, you know, I love you. Um, I want to ask, yeah. I know, I know. It's a, I want to ask, and maybe this will relate to somebody who's listening. There comes a point where you, you explain like what it was like to be catatonic, where there's, there are so many things that are going wrong that you're like, I don't even know how to get up in the morning because it's just, there's, and they're not minor things, right? They're big, big, big life 
changing events that are happening. And, and I, and I know, I don't remember the scale, but when they look at it and say, like, these are the, the biggest events that you could have go on in your life. And when you have all of them happening at once and you're trying to work and cope, it's easy Mm -hmm. to stay in that catatonic type state. And you also have to be the student ready to see the teacher. How did, so there's, there's some steps from there to there. How did you do that? So catatonic state for me was actually a true state. Um, In 2014, uh, my daughter, who's a naturopathic doctor, Dr. Rachel Cordetti Sargent, uh, came to see me, check on me, see how I'm doing, because it's two years after Bob's passing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was still in bed on on a, you know, Tuesday afternoon with the sun shining in the window. And I was just under the blankets. I didn't want to open my eyes. And she's like, mom, mom, she's, she's jostling me trying to get me awake. And I was like, I I couldn't speak. I couldn't make words come out of my mouth. And it was that state of overwhelm, just an absolute frozen brain situation. And she was very gentle with me. um, And she was obviously nervous and scared, but she knew from her training that uh, a place to calm the mind is is to begin with meditation. And I had not meditated in the past uh, at all. And and people would ask me about it and I'd say, yeah, I find vacuuming meditative, which it is, but, you know, (laughs) but I, I really, I needed therapeutic meditation. (laughs) <laughs> I needed a therapy, a, a meditation practice, which it is a practice, right? So me, green is the grass. Let's start with 10 minutes of headspace, which I did for a month and learned to begin to observe my thoughts going by. Now, fast forward to today where I can sit and do an hour and a half of meditation with someone speaking and I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Oh. I can actually, I can actually transcend out of my body. And I've had several transcendent experiences. So for, for the novice meditators, please stay the course, read some of Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, breaking the habit of being yourself. Uh, His last few chapters in that book are about meditation and how to dissolve your edges. In other words, how to disappear so that you are no body, no thing in no time, nowhere and no one, which I love. Uh, But, but, you know, it's a process, it's a practice. And then with the meditation, it wasn't enough for me, I had to be with other people who could show me just like when we go to the gym, you have a teacher, sure, but you want to see what other people are doing. So off I went to a, a circle of sisters who practice light work and began to participate in weekly group meditations. And then I did some, uh, honestly, I did the shamanic uh, journeying. I did a lot of journey work with a shamanic healer. um, And I will be completely straight up. I haven't confessed this to anybody. So you'll be the first to know. I did some plant medicine journeys to really compost a lot of that that dross, you know, that was really drowning me. And I couldn't have a clear picture. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get to my future self because I was drowning in, in dross. And so these, uh, and, and I actually traveled to Kona, Hawaii, which is a 5D location uh, last, actually I was there this time last year when we still could travel and it was epic. <clears throat> so I, I did it all. I really, I showed up in the process of looking at the darkest corners of myself. And I think we have to be willing to do that because it is not a direct path. It's not 
perform 20 sets of kettlebell swings for, you know, half an hour and you'll be fine. No, no, no. It's not that prescriptive. It's, it's your organic journey of how you got to be in the place you're in and being willing to, you know, pull up those little crusty edges and have a look inside and go scary, but okay, I'm in, let's, let's work on this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that you shared all of that. Absolutely love it. Um, I definitely need to dedicate more to my meditation practice because I I can't remember what the quote is, but if you if you don't have time for 10 minutes, you actually need 30 minutes. Like you need to create that time for meditation. Yeah. And I, as a person who always pushed, that was my like push, push, push then it's always felt counterintuitive, but I do understand learning how to slow the mind down, how important it is. Um, when it comes down to meditation and looking at like the, all the edges, the dark edges of ourselves, pulling that apart and dissolving that, do you not feel that one of the biggest challenges that we all have is judging ourselves for way, why we are where we are, or that we aren't good enough or living in comparison. Is that something that, I mean, I'm sure you've come across that, not even just yourself, but with other people, I would just love if there's something you could share on judgment. Yeah. I'd love to say this. Um, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. Once we begin to compare ourselves to what others have or what they think we think they have, you've lost any kind of joyful light within yourself. And so what I often begin with my clients is, is a, a, a practice of forgiveness. It's a practice of saying, God bless you. You got to this place. You survived all the things that you've just shared with me that are traumatic. And you may have paid the price by emotionally eating your feelings. That's fine. You're still here. And you woke up and you said, now it's time for me to advocate for me. So I begin with, first of all, acknowledging the brilliance of that. Well done. Celebrate that. And then forgiveness. I accept where I am right now. I accept that I did the best that I could. I forgive my past and I am going to celebrate my future. When we can leave the past behind us, take the good with it as lessons, but leave the pain behind us, we can then walk forward in a new direction. So for me, the practice of forgiveness was was instrumental. And it was, again, some of the work that I did in these shamanic journeys and so on, and working with light workers, and where I was actually counseled to write letters to any number of people that I had to write letters to um, asking for forgiveness or forgiving them. And one of the toughest ones was, of course, to forgive Robert, because um, love of my life that he was, there was a lot of betrayal, a lot of surprises, a lot of pain as a result of some of the irresponsible ways in which he managed life and business. So that was a tough one because I was so angry. I, when when he left me with all of this, Marsha, I, I took all of his clothes out of the closet. Uh, just, I remember this day so clearly and I threw them on the driveway and he loved his Gucci and his Dolce and his Versace. And I took my car and I just drove over everything multiple times. And then I put it all in the car and I drove to the nearest clothing donation box and scared the heck out of two ladies who were sitting outside having a cigarette break at, at the local <laughs> grocery store. And they're like, girl, what you doing? I said, I am getting rid of the trash. And I opened up the bin in my trunk and I just heaved everything. Like it, for me, it was a a symbolic 
cutting of the cord that was drowning me. And it was either his life or mine and hell, it was going to be mine. Oh, I just, I, I love, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that because that's part of the process, whatever, because that's you getting that anger resentment out of you and no, it doesn't change the story, but we have to move that energy to change the story. Right. You have to do that. And I did. I definitely did multiple times, multiple times. There were a few more occasions, but yeah. So (laughs) that would be my advice. (laughs) No, I think that's great advice. And I love that you touched on forgiveness. I think that that is like, it's critical. It is absolutely critical. I had a really hard time and I've shared that with you before, but I had a really hard time even forgiving my kids with what we went through. I was angry. I was really angry at the amount of stress and, and what we had in our life. And I was resentful until I really started to understand that resent resentment and comparison, which I lived a lot of that at that time to everyone else's life. Cause everyone else looked like it was easier, um, sure. which we don't know anything about anyone's life. We all know that now we know nothing. nothing. And no. And I was reading how comparison is just literally one of the lowest vibrational emotions you can have. You're better off to be angry than you are mm-hmm. to be in resentment and comparison and jealousy. Like you're better off to be just plain angry and do yeah. what you did. Like that kind of yep. thing is what you need to do. So learning so how, energy, right? Oh, yeah. absolutely. I, I, cause it's stagnant. Right. And when it sits stagnant, it just becomes this fester of, of like, um, what's the word I can't even think of right now, but it's, it festers and it pools and it's not healthy. It's just, it really has to move through us and we have yeah. to do that and doing well, that allows it, us to forgive. Right. It's dis-ease. And in traditional Chinese medicine, dis-ease leads to cancer and illness and mm-hmm. worse. So um, if there could be worse. And so dis-ease is really simply a situation where your emotions are not dealt with in a healthy way. So listen, if you've got to be angry, be angry, be as angry as you need to be, get the, get the rage out because it will absolutely rot within you. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that. So now what are you most excited about and how has, we all know our stories of what we lived changes how we live now. So I would just love to know what you're up to now and how this has shaped you in so many ways. Well, first I start by, by thanking and blessing these experiences in my life, every one of them, no matter how painful they've been, I, I bless and thank them because through the coaching of those or the tutelage of those difficult situations, I have come to understand that, that I am much, much more than an oxygen cover girl, that I am a, a new woman, a new person with a greater purpose yet. And so what I'm proud about is um, making some big decisions around uh, what is it that I want to do on a greater scale to serve and how will I do that? And so this was addressed in my business last year and I decided um, I, I want to have small group coaching experiences. And we went from literally zero to you know 60 um, <clears throat> at the beginning of January with that initiative. Mm-hmm. And I had a 60% conversion rate and I have a beautiful group of women that I'm now um, putting through my, my 12 week coaching program. And it's so good that we're gonna start another one like even before this one is done. So I'm super proud of that. Um, I'm, I'm proud of learning to become a business leader for myself because 
That was not who I was. I was the talent. I was the person in front of the camera, in front of the microphone, you know, the, the pretty one over there that gets flipped around and covers and TV shows. Well, you have to run a business and learn how to be a leader. So learning how to do that. Um, and also through the meditative process, gaining a new perspective where I don't have to answer every question. I don't have to react to everything. I can observe and I can witness and I can say, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know if that really serves me right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I used to feel like I had to satisfy everybody. And frankly, you, you end up short. So so that to me, those are, are very clear new directions for me. And I have, I'm so laser focused on what's going to happen for myself this year that I, I know I see it. I see it every day. And I practice that future self me every day. And beautiful things are happening as a result. <laughs> of course they are. I love that you shared that. That I, I, I love that you shared that. And I love to hear you in a space of small group coaching, because I think that a, that's very powerful or impactful for the people who are in it. And B, you've got so much to offer and so much to teach people that I know that it's definitely right. Like, here's the thing. This is the hard thing. When we learn to move through our stories and what we've experienced, taking those lessons and putting them to something good and impacting and helping and supporting others, it just creates a level of purpose from pain that just it just, it helps. It really helps to pay that forward. Well, it, it actually exemplifies or puts into a concrete example, the thing that we were put on this earth to do, which is each of us has been given the task to incorporate and house light in our bodies. And in so doing, share that light out. And when you begin to put light in your body through knowledge, education, eating clean, exercise, emotional self-care, service, gratitude, forgiveness, meditation, now you have this almost, there's so much energy within you that it pours out and people can see your aura, they can see your beautiful energy. And that is not to say, look at me, look at me. It's Mm -mm. I'm attracted to something beautiful in that person. I need to learn from her. And then that is what comes out and people are drawn to it. And that's what you want. You want that infectious light radiating experience. It's, it makes you unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And that is something that everyone can access. They just don't see it yet. Correct. It's not just mine. It's not just yours. It's within us. Yeah. So if Mm -hmm. you're doing this task, you yourself, Marsha, by by sharing that light in your in your service with your podcast and your work, I'm doing it. We're we're doing it right, and mm-hmm. and the more people that do it, the more we raise the collective vibrational energy of the planet, so that we can come out of darkness and low vibrational energy. Mm, that's so beautiful, and that's so so true. I find if I really every time I dive into the thoughts of the beacon and the light, that we just give others permission to find that spot too. Right? They. Everybody's capable. Everyone is capable of doing it. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely love that. Absolutely love it. I want to know um, what impact, and you've kind of explained it, but I just want to really dive into it. What impact you want to create moving forward in these next, like, as you just painted out that 10 years, for example. All right. So the impact I want to create is that, um, first of all, going to start with striking sugar that I feel that I want to 
open the eyes of all so they understand clearly the kind of drug and poison that sugar is. And when I say that, I mean refined, modern, processed carbohydrates, sugars of any kind, even fake ones, uh, the damage that it's doing and how much robbery is happening to you when you are addicted to these, these drugs, because they're drugs. So starting there, and that to me is also a way to open yourself up to a, to more light so you can actually feel the difference between a low vibrational state of yourself, which is in darkness, and then someone who now is has quit sugar and feels energy and can sleep through the night and has a raging libido and energy and all sorts. Uh, so starting there, and then I want to show, I want to empower women and understand and help them understand that that weight loss is probably not really the key. Yes, we all want to lose pounds or some do, but it's really a spiritual, emotional journey that you're engaging on, that you got in this condition because there is something in your life that has caused your emotional self to be out of balance. And so to, to connect the, the, the weight and the emotional self with this spiritual journey of, of unburdening the yourself, uh, getting rid of the dross as I have done. Um, and, and it's of course, it's a continual journey. So it's not over yet, but of course. Um, and so I think when we can speak about that and the light and also the, the power of being able to manage your own pharmacy of healing chemicals within your body through movement, um, you know, movement exercise has saved my life, life many, many times. And I know we're facing a mental health pandemic as well. So to, to know that even 15 minutes of movement is better than 15 minutes of sitting there. 30 minutes is exceptional. 30 minutes of movement performed at a maximum heart rate of 65% or greater five to six days a week is as good as Prozac, if not better. Uh, great for your brain. You're unleashing all of these neurotransmitters that make you feel good. Neuro, uh, norepinephrine, epinephrine, dopamine, serotonin. And not only that, not only that, but the proteins released through exercising create some kind of chemistry, which I can't name because I'm not a scientist, but it helps like architecture support a healthy brain and healthy emotions. So it's the quickest way you can reduce anxiety and depression for yourself. So it's got to be that it's got to be eating clean, the striking sugar aspect. It's got to be uh, being housing light in your body, being an example of light and um, exercise. Yeah. I love it. I just three things, only three, (laughs) just three, just three things. I no, I absolutely love it. And I think, you know, for somebody as myself, like if people have not had exercise as part of their life, it, they make it so overwhelming that they're like, I can't even, I don't even know where to start, or I'm not in shape or I'm not these things. And you have to find other reasons why, for me, why I exercise on a regular basis for is it's like my mental health and sleep. It's just, it's literally, those are the two things. And I can tell you when I'm two days of not doing something for me, my energy's off. My mood is off. There's no question. And I don't sleep. So you have to have a different anchor for a reason for doing it. You've got to have a very powerful why. And I know when people are depressed and anxious, it's very difficult to find a why. It's very difficult just to get yourself to move. But if you could imagine you know, the 15 minutes that you just sat there and watched a Netflix show, could you Mm -hmm. imagine yourself walking for 15 minutes outside? And, and would that make a difference for you? Absolutely. Do you have to exercise like Lance Armstrong or some bodybuilder? No, 15 minutes of movement is medicine. 
right? Yeah. So, so, so good. And before I move on to the last question and connecting with you, I just want to dive a little bit more into sugar, because I know that this is your, like, this is a, uh, uh, this is your baby topic. And I love how you talk about it. And I remember reading this is many years ago, but how our brain responds to sugar and is very similar to how it responds to cocaine or to drugs. Like it is extremely addictive. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about sugar. The pleasure Well, sugar triggers that whole reward uh, center in the brain. So it feels like you're getting a dopamine hit. And it's the same when you're on your your phone, which is equally addictive, correct? Mm -hmm. So um, sugar for me is, uh, it is a poison and I call it a poison. It is a drug because it is a drug. Only I feel like it's more dangerous because people don't treat it like a drug. It's not labeled like a drug and you can access it. Uh, it's, it's cheap. It's cheaper than cocaine, but you can access it in everything. It's in salt. It's in cigarettes. It's in medication. It's in candy. It's in the obvious and the not obvious. Basically it's everywhere. So I teach how to read a label so you can make a connection between what's in that food and what's happening to you. Mm -hmm. So also remember there is no word in the Greek language for sugar. It doesn't exist as a food or an ingredient. It's not real. We made it. Man has taken sugar cane or beets or whatever, and we've we've altered it in such a way as to become a toxic chemical because we stripped it of anything good. And so once sugar is in the body, a very big decision has to be made by the body. It says, excuse me, Marsha, you put, you know, X number of teaspoons of sugar in your coffee. Coffee, by the way, is to me a vehicle to consume sugar, but, Mm -hmm. and I'm just making an example of you, but I know you don't eat sugar. Um, And, and that sugar is in the body. Marsha, you ate that sugar. Now we have to figure out what to do with this sugar. Oh, I see. All right. Well, sugar is very expensive. It costs the body greatly. It costs water hydration and it costs minerals. And where does it get the minerals from? Oh, out of your bones, out of your organs, out of your eyes out of all the parts of you that are so important to remain strong and solid, but no, no, you ate the sugar. Now I have to treat this as a robbery. So that means I have to take uh, minerals out of the bones to neutralize the blood. And also because sugar is toxic, guess where it goes? The storage place for all toxic things, which is fat around the belly. Have to, we have to neutralize this stuff. It's not, it's not food. And so your body is making all of these decisions in response to this. Not only that, it's got to manage blood sugar through the glucose handling process, which is your insulin and so on. And so now you're you're testing your insulin resistance. You're even testing your brain because the new word for dementia and Alzheimer's is diabetes type three, because the brain is glucose dependent. And when you eat too much sugar, you you flood it so much that eventually like the pancreas, it says, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I have nothing to give. And your brain starts shutting down and you actually see the brain shrinking and you see the synapses shutting down. And so now you have flesh in your brain, but it's not functioning. Nothing's wiring and firing. So this to me is the the great hidden danger of sugar. And it it breaks my heart when I see young people eating so much sugar and kids and, you know, a typical breakfast is a bowl of cereal, a, a, a glass of orange juice, white bread or a waffle. And it's all full 
of sugar. By the time, okay, to me, okay, so the World Health Organization says six grams of sugar a day. <laughs> sorry, that's I'm, I'm sorry for laughing. And you get that one glass of orange. Yeah, you're yeah. done. Like you're cooked already, right? Uh, and, and kids, six grams of sugar, you have that in a glass of orange juice or, or a bowl of cereal. And it makes me crazy. Uh, I'm going for zero myself. I, I really don't. I don't seek sugar in anything and it changes your whole mindset. It changes your microbiome, your immune system, your brain, your blood function, your libido. By the way, any men listening here, if you really enjoy having a nice erection, like a good one for a long time, quit the sugar, really quit the sugar because the sugar, the first thing it kills is your libido and your ability to maintain an erection, man or woman. So just say it. Wow. Now we know that's, that is like, I thank you for sharing that. That's honestly, I, all the information you shared there is mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Um, my, uh, my mother-in-law has, she had vascular dementia for a number of years and now it has progressed to Alzheimer's. And I've had many conversations with her, with her doctor and he had, he never called it diabetes type three, but he said, this is extremely prevalent right now. We are seeing vascular dementia and the, what it's bringing is very early onset Alzheimer's and sugar. yeah, it's sugar. She actually was diagnosed, love her to pieces. She was diagnosed as diabetic many, many years ago, but it was just not something that she was able to change. Yeah. No, no. And but it was, it's heartbreaking, but yes. Sadly, well, or happily, however you want to see it, most diabetes type two and three are lifestyle diseases that can be reversed. I know. I know. Exercise, food, avoiding the refined sugars. Those are your key things. Yeah, that can, there's a whole topic there in the sense, because I have had, pardon me, I've had many clients who are diabetic and they would talk as though, and I'm not judging because I'm, but very, they very angry that they're diabetic, very angry that this is not fair. And I'm like, okay, it's not cancer. There's things you can do with it still. It You do have options. But again, we're back to the very beginning when we started the conversation. It depends on how we see it, what we choose yep. to see, what we choose yep. to do with it. We always have a choice. I didn't say it would be an easy choice, but we always do have a choice. Yep. And I, yeah, I know I've seen it over many years with many clients being downright, absolutely angry because they had diabetes. And I was like, well, it didn't happen by accident. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't, I've right. I know. And it's so yep. it's, it is very heartbreaking, but I also grew up in that time where food was not something that was a, a lot of effort was put into cooking and what we did. It wasn't the case. Whereas I actually enjoy it now. I mean, I do actually enjoy it. And I think when you really spend that time, you can teach your body to crave anything. You can teach it to crave vegetables. You can teach it to crave water if you start to give it on a regular basis. And I think that some people don't realize how poorly they feel until they start to feel better. Right. But, uh, but they've, you know, those who are addicted to sugar have taught their body to function yeah. on sugar, just like a car. And the yeah. sooner you get it out. So this is why I advocate a strike sugar program. You've got to do at least four weeks. In fact, I'm just, I'm just completing uh, the plant-based version right now. And it's, it's my best selling product by far, because this is how everybody needs to begin is getting it out of your body, starting mm -hmm. with ground zero on sugar. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all that information on that, because I, I knew that's your wheelhouse. That is your area. But I knew that that would be something a lot of people would benefit from hearing the power and impact of sugar. So good. 
All right. Where can people connect yes. and find you and follow you and just see what you're all up to? Um, well, I'll tell you that in just a second. I wanted to wind up with one comment, oh, which sure. might make uh, those listening also pay attention. That scientists have found that there's a direct connection between excess sugar consumption and the severity of COVID and the morbidity of COVID. So that is something to pay attention to because when the immune system is blanketed by sugar, it cannot function. So you're basically leaving the gates wide open for any virus to come in. Oh, so wow. uh, if you want to find out more information about that, things like that, and strike sugar, as well as any of the coaching that I do, I'm at toscarino.com and you can find all the good ways to find me. Oh, and head on over to Instagram because I just hit a milestone in followers and we're doing a great big giveaway over there. So uh, Toscarino on Instagram. Oh, These that's so fun. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I will make sure it's all in there and the notes, but I just want to make sure, thank you for sharing that as far as health and COVID and, and relations there. I really do appreciate that. You're welcome. Okay. Last question. I could talk to you forever. We know that. Um, <laughs> but I do. I have a question. Last question. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? Resilience. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grateful for that lesson because I feel like it's been a thread that has been common through my formative years um, growing up in a, in a difficult family life, uh, growing up in an abusive uh, first life with my husband to have our children, growing up in uh, the challenging times of being a 40-something physique competitor with 20-year-old women. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. taught me some resilience. I'm sure. And then the lessons that were born from yeah. And the lessons that were born from the challenges after Robert's passing. So I'm 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 so blessed and grateful for my ability to be resilient and to come back every time, not with a chip on my shoulder, but with a greater lesson and a greater light. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I couldn't think of a more appropriate word for you as far as resiliency. I love it. And I thank you for taking those lessons, for being so resilient to continue and then taking it and paying it forward because I know that it's making a massive impact in the world and I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful that our paths have crossed and I thank you so much for sharing everything you did today. Well, thank you. And I'm blessed to be doing this with you because we are doing the good work together and I love the sisterhood of that. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.